Good morning. Good morning. All right. Good morning. Come on. Praise God. I got a quote I got hit with this morning. I just want to drop it on you real quick. One of the greatest dangers in theology is making our faith something we discuss rather than something that moves us. Our faith, our theology has to be something that, listen, if we're just living it here on Sunday, then we become those hypocrites that the world accuses us of being. Amen? Our faith has to be active and alive. We've got to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, man, all through the week. Amen? All right, all right. I was going to, um, you know, I, I told you last week I would come and, and I was going to, continuing the judges thing but the the week had a lot of planned changes for me and so we made some changes so here's what here's what's going to happen the i also we have something planned for next week so i'm coming back in two weeks to talk about judges so i want to give you two weeks to read the book of judges who started already all right all right six of you praise god praise god Six of you are awesome and listening to pastor for like at least something that's encouraging. Here's what we want to do. The next two weeks you have read through the book of Judges. I'm also going to provide an email for you. Info at sanctuaryfellowship.org. You're going to come up with some crazy stories. Anybody that started already? You're bugging out. Like why they're cutting thumbs off of people and big toes. What is going on, right? All right. So, I mean, a good, I'm telling you, it's, it's Empire, Game of Thrones, um, and all the pastors from Greenleaf. That, that's, that's the book of Judges. It's, it's a crazy show. Oh, and the angry housewives and the angry little people. So, read, read, read it this week. Any big questions that you can't figure out or that you want to talk about or any comments, send it to info at sanctuaryfellowship.org. In two weeks, we're going to pick it up again, and, and um, hopefully we'll, we, we can discuss some of the questions that you sent in. Amen? The six of you that are reading. Praise God. So be blessed. Let's welcome Pastor G. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, guys. And listen, real quick, as he comes, you see our living room wall over there? You know, I asked you guys a couple of weeks, like a month or two ago, I want to fill that entire wall up with our living room pieces. Amen? Like, I want that to be our living room. I wanted to walk in and be like, wow, you know, and, and so, you know, they're $5.99, $7.99, $19.99 if you go for the big ones, TJ Maxx, Marshalls, all the, you know, the cheaper stores that you guys go every weekend. Pick one up like you would for your living room, bring it in so we could, we could have our wall. Amen? Thank you, guys. Uh, the last time I preached, I had this little Band-Aid on my face, and Pastor George came up to me and asked what happened. I said, well, when I was shaving, I was thinking about my sermon. I didn't concentrate on my shaving, and I accidentally cut my face. Pastor George said, that's too bad. Next time, you should concentrate on your shaving and cut your sermon." So this one will probably be a little shorter.
But I, I want to start off with a, with a quote that I actually put yesterday on Facebook. I, actually, I went to my psychologist. I told my psychologist, I have a problem. I'm addicted to Facebook. The psychologist said, sorry, I don't follow you. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was funny. This is a tough crowd today. But I'm going to read the quote. This is from Lance Wall now. If God wants it to happen, it will happen, is the utterance of a person who never sees anything happen. In other words, God makes things happen, but he doesn't do it without our cooperation. Yes, there are injustices in the world. But typically, if you want to, if you want the promotion, it's not just going to come down from heaven, but you got to work hard for it. If you want to go back to school, you got to, you got to apply to the school. You're not going to wake up one day and God did it all for you and you, he's transporting you supernaturally into the school. If you want friends, you got to be friendly. People come to church, they, raw, they run out the door right after service. They don't talk to anyone, and then they leave and go to the next church and complain. I didn't make any friends over there. You're not going to make friends. God won't just give you friends if you don't act friendly, if you don't reach out. God does his part when we take steps of faith. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, we are co-workers with God. That's not only about ministry, that's every area of your life. So, for example, your marriage just won't fix itself because you prayed if you don't start making different choices. Well, if God wants me to have a better marriage, it'll just happen. No, things won't just happen until you change your lifestyle, until you choose for something to happen. We're not just sitting and waiting for God to do it all, because it's never going to come if we're not doing our part. And we also need to get serious with God and pray and declare his promises over our lives. I'm always amazed in church when I ask someone if they want prayer and their response is, no, I'm good. <laughs> See, I, I might be a lot less spiritual than a lot of you, but every Wednesday night I come and I ask somebody, can you agree with me in prayer? I need prayer. I need God to do something. I'm not good. I, I, I got to humble myself. I don't walk around prideful worrying about what people are going to think. People are going to think I need something. You know, I got to put on a show, make people think that I got it all together. Maybe you do. I don't. I need God. Oh, if God wants me to be healed, I'll, he'll heal me in his time. I don't need to pray. Well, then you're going to walk around sick. You've got to pray. God does nothing except in answer to prayer. If we don't seek him, we can just keep waiting. So, and then we get mad at God. 
Well, he didn't do what I expected him to do, but we didn't do our part either. Well, I want to tell the story from the Bible about a woman who was desperate for a miracle, and she was determined. She didn't care about looking cool or upholding an image. When you, sometimes when you get desperate, all that stuff doesn't matter what people are going to think. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him. A Canaanite woman means she was not from the people of Israel. She was a foreigner. And she came crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. For she keeps crying after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is is granted, and her daughter was healed at that very moment. This woman came to church for a miracle. She was ignored, told to go away, told that she was the wrong ethnicity, and then called the dog. How many of you would have still kept looking for the miracle? We would have been gone a long time ago. We would have become offended and walked out angry. But this lady knows that being angry and bitter would keep her from her miracle. When she came in, Jesus said, I was only sent to the house of Israel. Because when Jesus came, his first mission was only to the Jewish people. It was later that the gospel would spread to the whole world. To everybody, everywhere. His blessings and healing in the, when Jesus first came belonged to, belonged to the people of Israel. But the woman, she was desperate. She kept seeking God. She kept going after him. She said, after he called her a dog, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like that in all of Israel. And he granted her prayer. And at that moment, her daughter was healed. There are two great lessons in that story. The first lesson is the power of perseverance and faith and the importance of going after God and saying, nobody's going to get between me and God. You can offend me. Maybe you don't like me, but I'm coming after God. I don't care what I look like. Because there are things in life only God can do. And we gotta, we got to seek his face. we got to pursue him. And there's power in that. But there was also a second lesson in that story that I want to concentrate on. 
With God, you don't need great provision, great faith, great favor. You don't need lots of strength. She knew that principle, this woman, that with God, a tiny crumb contains a great miracle. She said, I don't need the bread. Don't, you don't have to give me the whole loaf of bread. I'll, I'll take the crumbs that fall in, under the table because when God breathes on it, a little bit becomes a lot. A tiny crumb contains a great miracle. When we put God in first place in our lives, the little that we have becomes more than enough. See, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just confess to you right now that many times in my Christian walk, I've gotten by with just a crumb. So there are times when I'm holding on to just a small crumb of faith. Don't let me fool you. I, I minister in a lot of different churches. And, and there, are, there have been dark times, difficult days when I received horrendous news. But I can't call up the church and say, I'm not coming. I show up anyway. And there have been days and times when it took everything in me just to walk up to the pulpit and speak, even this pulpit sometimes. There's times I stood here when all I felt was just this little bit of anointing, this little bit of faith. But every time I have confidence that in God that little is more than enough. It's all that I need. For me, just a crumb-sized faith and a crumb-sized anointing has always been more than enough. This is not a negative confession. This, this is, I'm confessing today that many days I don't have what it takes. There are times I come feeling weak, times I got to drag myself out of bed, and I know if I just got that little bit, I know that God will take it and work through it. You see, I've seen, I've seen miraculous answers to prayer when I barely had enough strength to pray. If you picture me, don't picture me always running up and down and praising, oh, God, and... There are days when I can hardly open my mouth to pray, but I believe if I could just get that one word out, that the supernatural power of God is being activated. That's why Jesus said, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. You might be sitting here today comparing yourself to other people. Oh, well, I don't have the faith this person has. God can't use me. Nothing's going to happen in my life. I wish I had the faith of that pastor, that minister. You don't need it. All you need is that little tiny bit. All you need is just enough to hang on. And God will work great miracles in your life through that little crumb that you do have. 
You see, there's been times when I've had to face huge giants of sickness, debt, emotional pressure. But I learned a lesson from King David when he faced the giant Goliath. That all you need is this little stone from God. Just this tiny stone. And you bless it. And you speak life over that stone. And you knock that giant right on his booty. Wait, Pastor George, can you say booty in church? I, I, I meant to ask you before the sermon. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus wrote a letter to the church in Philadelphia. No, not this Philadelphia. That's a a city in, in the Middle East at that time. And he said, you have little power. You just got a little bit of power, but God said, I'm about to open a huge door for you. Just a little bit. The little power you came with today. God wants to do a great thing. That little word of God. Oh, I don't really know the word of God. Then what do you know? Take what you do know. Begin to declare it. And God will open a door for you. A great door. You don't have to know as much as this one. I don't don't have the word like that person. God is not looking for what you don't have. He's looking for what you do have. There was a man named Gideon in the book of Judges, maybe one of the chapter 6 in Judges that Pastor George might look at. And God came to him and he said, I'm sending you out to defeat the giants. I'm sending you out to destroy the enemy that's oppressing Israel. And Gideon looked at God like he was nuts. He said, me, my family is a bunch of nobodies, and I'm the biggest nobody of them all. And you know what God told him? He said, then go with the strength that you do have. Don't stop worrying about what you don't have. I don't have enough this. I don't know anybody. I don't have enough influence with the people at work. I'll never get a promotion. With God, it's always more than enough. Whatever you got is just what you need. But Or you could keep waiting. Well, if God wants to do something, let him do it. I'm not waiting. When There was a man named Smith Wigglesworth who had a great healing ministry. And he said, when the the hand of God is not moving, I move the hand of God. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God told him, he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.10. Paul responded, For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, your weakness doesn't disqualify you. If you feel weak, if you're saying today, I don't have what it takes, 
then you, you are really positioned for a miracle. You're positioned for God to use you. Many times I feel totally weak and overwhelmed. Never once stopped God from doing whatever he was going to do. Because it's not by might or power. It's not by who you know, what connections you have. You know the creator of the universe. You got friends in high places today. I want to read one more scripture from Matthew chapter 15, verse 33. The disciples said to Jesus, Where are we to get enough bread in this isolated place to feed so large a crowd? And Jesus asked them, How many loaves of bread do you have? They replied, Seven and a few small fish. There was about 4,000 men plus women and children. And the disciples asked Jesus, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? And the disciples answered, well, we have a few loaves of bread and a few fish. So verse 35, Jesus directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish And when he had given thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they gathered up seven full baskets of the broken pieces that were left over. Among those who ate were 4,000 men, not counting women and children. You see, being that I'm Jewish, people come to me with a lot of their stereotypes. Oh, you're Jewish, you must have a lot of money. Well, I must have missed out somewhere. (laughs) I I grew up moving from one apartment to the next because my, my mother couldn't pay the rent, so she'd bail out and go somewhere else. Eventually, she went on welfare and became a part-time bartender. So all all that money escaped me somehow. (laughs) You see, there have been times financially where I've lived on leftover crumbs. But with Jesus, the crumbs have always been more than enough. You see, I, how much, I never know from one month to the next how much money I'm going to have. Depends on how many donations or how many churches I preach at. But I never once wonder if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Because I take the little bit and I bless it. And I thank God and I know there'll always be more than enough. You see, one of of God's names in the Bible in Hebrew is El Shaddai, which means the all-sufficient one. He's the God of more than enough. Just that little you got is enough with God. You could spend all night worrying. 
Or you could take that little bit and you bless it and you go to sleep knowing there's a God of heaven that takes the little crumbs and multiplies it. So there's always more than enough left over when we're faithful to him. So I'm not the only one, so I'm going to ask Jessica Gonzalez is going to come up and she's going to testify. God bless you guys. Um, Some of you might know me from my two kids. My little one, his name is Elijah, a.k.a. Spanky. He's the one that walks around the church. Um, The little chunky little guy, he's our six-year-old. And we also have a 21-year-old. His name is Jeremiah, and he's my tall, handsome guy that's always over there in the corner. Um, Both of our children were diagnosed with autism. Jeremiah was born... um, Uh, delayed in walking, delayed in potty training. And when he was first diagnosed, I was in denial. So was my husband for about three or four months. Um, It took us a while to get him services. Honestly, I didn't even know what autism was. I had no idea what it was. I thought it was a terminal disease, to be honest with you. I said, oh, my God, he's going to die like next year. What is going on? And Um, the psychologist informed us that this was a neurological disorder and that he would be delayed in a lot of things. So as you can imagine, um, the grief that we went through was the worst I've ever ever been through. Um, My husband, it took him a really long time to understand that Jeremiah needed services. He was nonverbal, so I had to do the research and I had to understand what autism was, and I had to understand how best to be his advocate for him. I did not know how to advocate for my sons. No one gave us help. We didn't know where to turn to. We had no idea. And so my faith walk really began with Jeremiah. Um, He's been an extreme blessing to us, and so has Elijah. They both have really imprinted my walk with God. Um, And so I'm going to go through this quickly because I only have a few minutes. But um, I had to learn how to walk with God. I had to learn how when he melted down every day, how to cling to God. And you talk about feeling like an inadequate mother. I was and felt entirely inadequate. I felt like I didn't know what to say, what to do for him. I didn't know how to approach him because if you take these kids out of a routine, they lose it. Um, And I would bring Jeremiah to church. My old church at the time was Crossway in the Bronx. And he would knock over the garbage cans and I would be beside myself. I didn't understand or know at the time that God was cultivating a place of worship within me. He was cultivating a place of, you have to trust in me and really depend on me for this. And so I learned throughout the years to be a strong advocate for him, um, voicing in the public education system what it was that he needed, speech, occupational therapy, physical therapy. Um, And so at the age of 12, my faith was tested. Uh, He started to go through puberty and 
I had actually just started on a worship team in my old church. And when I would go home, it would be very dysfunctional. There would be furniture everywhere because you couldn't sit still. Um, and so it became a time of where he was having meltdowns every single day. He was attacking us. Um, he was just trying to make sense of his own world. And I had to understand and know how best to, to, to help him. And what ended up happening was we had to call the police on several occasions. And thankfully, my little guy wasn't born just yet. And so if you go forward a few more years, Jeremiah continued in the upheavals. And then I realized that him living with us, and that was the hardest decision I had to make, the hardest. Because the ones that are closest to you they hurt you. They don't mean to, but they see that he's not at home anymore. So they figure, why? Why would you leave him in a hospital? Um, I had no choice at the time. That was very difficult, much, much more so for my husband as a husband and as a father. And I had to commit him into Jacoby Medical Center in the psychiatric facility um, because of instances of he got a little confused with me being his mother, I did everything for him. I was always with Jeremiah, doing everything for him. And so I can remember vividly one instant where I was sitting on the floor with him because when he would melt down, I, I already had a strategy on how to keep him from hurting us and hurting himself. So I would put him right in the middle of me, sitting down and, and embracing him and uh, so that he wouldn't hurt himself. And so at that one day, um, I sat in the, on the floor, and he was there, and the doctor had just come in and given him a shot of Benadryl uh, because he had attacked the police officers. And as he was there, I felt like I left myself right on the ground. I felt like I didn't know. I f it almost felt like an out-of-body experience, not that we do New Age things, but... Um, it felt that way. I just, I just detached myself. And my son, as he was falling into a deep sleep, he looked at me. He said, Mom, I want you to know something. I get very mad, and I can't help it. I can't help myself. And so I said, God, what is there left? What are you trying to show me? And I had a lot of why questions. I said, God, why? Why would you choose me and his dad to go through this? I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel completely inadequate. Um, so what, what are you trying to show me? And sitting on that floor with Jeremiah now deep asleep, the Lord spoke to my spirit and he said, I'm teaching you the way of worship. I'm teaching you the walk of faith. And I'm teaching you how to warfare for your kid, for your son. And I, I said, so I, I do worship God. I, I do worship you. And he says, I want you to start to sing quietly over him. And I was beside myself because who wants to sing when you're, you're in that situation? Um, I was exhausted, emotionally drained, and the Lord told me, sing. Just sing. And I began to sing, and I was rocking my son, and I began to sing a song over him. I didn't know exactly what was taking place, but it felt like 
there was healing coming into the room and I could feel a peace. And the Lord told me, I'm going to, I want you to start singing more over your son. So at this point, um, a few years later, we decided that he did need to be in a structured environment, a structured setting that we could not provide for him. And I am very happy to say that Jeremiah, he has come a very long way. He's doing really, really well in the facility that he's at right now, and he loves coming here. Both of my kids love, love coming here. They really love coming here. And, and, and I really appreciate Pastor George and Michelle for letting them just walk around the way that they do. I really appreciate that. My husband appreciates that. Um, because I didn't, the embrace here for special needs children is so amazing and so incredible. And I really have a compassion for special needs parents. I understand what you're walking through, but not so much, but just in general, the challenges that you moms and dads are walking through with your children right now, God is going to break open a way. What the enemy wants to do is to distract your worship as much as he can. And if he can keep you in a place of depression and frustration, I was very depressed. I was very frustrated. Then that's just half the battle. But if you can push yourself and get over that emotional upheaval, because even though God gave us emotions, they can really take control. They can really take over your worship because then you start sinking in, oh, well, look what I'm going through, look what I'm going through. Yes, I've, I still cry today, you know, my kids, but I know that God is in the midst of it, and we grow. God has a season for us, a different path that we walk through, but he's going to see you through it. Don't give up on your worship because something happens in the spiritual realm that if we could see with our physical eyes what is taking place, you will see the chains that are being broken off. You will see those demons fleeing. Something dynamic takes place when we worship him in spirit and truth. Amen. I'm going to ask if the ushers could start passing out the communion. You see, when Jessica felt totally inadequate, disqualified, when she felt weak, when she felt that she couldn't be the mother that God has called her to be, when she felt like she hardly had any faith left, hardly any strength to hold on. That's when God began to show up, when she began to take that little tiny seed of faith and plant it and start singing over it and blessing it. And and she's beginning to see God work and move and change and multiply. So as you're passing out the communion, and you could just go ahead, you don't have to wait. I'm going to, Jessica's just going to sing over you right now. And she's going to bless that seed of faith in you, that little strength you got is going to begin to multiply in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you.
Faithful God, faithful God, forever. 
Amen. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come up, and you could bring the communion elements with you. And I'm, I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now as we take communion. You see, when Jesus needed to multiply the food to feed all those people, he didn't have enough. Thousands of people, and all he had was a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He didn't start complaining to God, how am I supposed to feed all these people with this measly few crumbs that you gave me? He didn't get upset. He didn't start begging God, oh, please. It said that he took the bread. And he gave thanks to God. He thanked God for feeding all these people when he had nothing in this time of thanksgiving. What what does thanksgiving mean in the kingdom of God? It means we don't complain about what God's not doing. I'm not focused on, on what hasn't happened. I, I don't sit and complain. Maybe I didn't have the marriage I thought I'd have. By now, I thought I'd get the promotion. I thought I'd have a new job by now. And we could sit and complain. No, we sit and thank, thank you, God, for the spouse that you gave me. Thank you, God, that I have a job. And we begin to thank him. Thank you, God, for the $10 I got left. Not, oh, everybody else got all this money, and you bless everybody but me. No, thank you, God, that I got enough something in my pocket, and I hold it before God, and I say, thank you, Lord. Let, let's just thank you. Let's take a minute to thank you in this time of communion. We thank you, Lord God. I'm going to ask Pastor Melissa just to thank the Lord. Let's just begin to thank him. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your provision, your grace, your mercy, oh God. We thank you that you are more than enough all the time, that you never fall short, Lord, that you never come late, oh God, but you're always on time. We thank you that you saved us, oh God. We thank you, Lord, that you have just given us so much. Lord, we, you not only give us what we need, you give us what we want. So, Father, I thank you for that shed blood, Lord God, on Calvary. I thank you, Lord, that your presence in my life makes me whole. I thank you, God, that I don't have to worry about tomorrow because you're there also, oh God. So, Father, today we just lift up thankfulness to you, Lord. Thank you for our lives. Thank you for what you've done, for what you will do, and for what you're doing, oh God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, oh God. Thank you, God. Lord, words are not enough to say how much we thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. See, you you might be looking at this little crumb of bread and saying, what good is this going to do me with all the big problems I'm facing? 
And I'm not minimizing that. Sometimes we got giants and mountains of problems. What this little crumb of bread? But Jesus said, if you take it with thanksgiving, there's power in this crumb. The God of the universe, the creator, he's big enough to fill the whole universe, and he's small enough to live in this piece of bread. And he said, when you eat it, in remembrance, in thanksgiving of all that I've done, there's blessing coming on you. There's life. There's provision. God will multiply what you already got in your hand. But you got to thank him. Throughout the whole Bible, the one thing God never liked was grumbling and complaining. We're never satisfied. In this... Being that the whole country celebrating Thanksgiving, at least today we as the people of God can give thanks. Thank you, God, for this little piece. Thank you for representing your body. There's life in the body. There's resurrection power in the body of God. So let's bless it and partake in Jesus' name. This little cup of grape juice, it represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. There's deliverance in the blood. There's provision in the blood. It's not the size. It's the size of God. He said, if you just take it, As an act of worship, as we take communion, I just plead this blood over your life, over your family, over your health, over your bank account, over your job situation. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, that the blood of Jesus is alive, it's active, and it's working in your behalf. So let's take it today with a spirit of thanksgiving. And and let's close today by worshiping Jesus. Let's thank him today. God, we thank you. God, I don't only thank you, God, for the blessings and the provision, but I thank you for the difficulties and the battles and the trials. Because in the midst of the battle, God, I see you high and lifted up, that you're warring, that you're fighting on my behalf. And I thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's leave this place, this atmosphere. Control what tomorrow 
Sing it out. Yeah. 
Come on, if God ever came through for you, lift your hands today and just say, I'm not unless you come. Gotta worry no more. He's got, he's got to say. So you are me. Just one more time, just say. I'm not enough to say. I'm not enough unless you come. we trust you we trust you when we believe your word lord you have never forsaken us and why should you ever forsake us oh god father but you have been a god of your word and came through each and every time even when we couldn't see the end father you were already there father preparing a way lord so father we thank you jesus and even though we go through troubles, even though, though we go through trials, even though we may find ourselves in a valley, you have, you have promised us that each and every time you would lift us up, that you would be the lifter of our head, oh God. So Father, today, Father, even as we move forward, oh God, we just say we love you and we thank you and we are grateful for the things you've done. But Lord, we look forward for the even greater things, Lord, that are to come, Lord. So, Father, have your way in the lives of your people, Father. I pray, Lord, that they would create a place, Father, a place where they can meet with you even alone, Lord, that this would not be the only place that they worship, but that they would find a place where they can just meet with you one-on-one, Father, where you can pour in, oh God. Pour in, oh God. We thank you, Lord. Because you have blessed us to be a blessing. Have a wonderful week. Amen, amen. Family, before you leave, if you could just look next to you and just clean up after ourselves. Because we have another service at 2 o'clock for the Spanish. Thanks, fam.